Hey yo. Welcome back to Girl Party, y'all. So today we have a little bit of a other different concept. Um, basically for all this episode, I will be reading poetry. Right, we all love poetry and and short stories and stuff. Um, and I will be reading them, and I hope you are able to f- relax, and I hope that you are able to support all of these artists, okay? I want y'all to all go and follow each of these fucking artists, okay, y'all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful time listening to this. And yeah, let's get into it. Alright guys, so for our first story, we have this amazing um, writer um, that I absolutely love. I follow them. Their name is, oh, her name is Rue and her username is at pieces by the stars in all small letters. I don't know how to say that. Minus, minus letters. How do you say that in English? I don't know. I don't remember. But um, she is an 18-year-old poet, um, a story writer. She Her work is amazing, guys. I absolutely love her work. Um, I honestly can't recommend enough that you guys follow her. Um, her art is amazing. She is an amazing storyteller. And I will re- I will be reading right now um, a short story by her called A Short Story About a Dating a Dying Scientist. This was such an amazing piece. And I just want to share this with you guys. Have in mind, I'm not really a professional reader, guys. So there's certain words I don't know how to say. If I mispronounce anything, I'm sorry. Um, and, you know, I might stutter, might read something, you know, wrong, so. But I, I just really wanted to read this for you guys. I wanted to share this. Um, it starts off. On his deathbed, my boyfriend started writing a dissertation. Something about dark matter and complex equations and the fate of the universe. This is all I have left to give, was his response to my query about a a will, and it is not that I wanted his belongings, most of his possessions were textbooks, and his most prized prized ones were me and a telescope, and I suppose I wanted him to do normal people dying activities for my sake. In the sterile white room, I found him more alive than ever, radiating golden passion as he sourced as he scoured over his draft. A week before he was transferred to the ICU, I asked him if he remembered our Costa Rica trip, and he laughed, and the sound was too brittle, like it sucked the air out of him to even try. How could I forget? He wheezed, and I rubbed his back. We had our biggest argument. And he died thinking that I was angry over his reluctance to dine at a restaurant the concierge had suggested. It was actually due to the beach when I watched him watch the Pacific. How he looked at it with a reverence he usually reserved for me. I can imagine how absurd that sounds, being jealous 
over the ocean. What upset me was how I would never be a mystery he could, he could uncover, dissect, and absorb. I was not as fresh as the knowledge he was so hellbent on acquiring. What scared me was how content he was by himself. And I screamed at him. I asked him why he even bothered to hang me, to have me around. You could die alone with a smile on your face, I sobbed. A rather poor choice of words on my part. Since a few weeks later, it was revealed that his body was on a mission to destroy itself. Yet, we had always been very pleasant, well-to-do couples. He was brilliant in his field and I never interfered. He spent hours in our spare room, his makeshift laboratory, and the rest was with me. And at night he'd trace constellations on my spine, Cassiopeia and Hydra and Leo, and sometimes I'd kiss the scars his father left behind on his ribcage and left clavicle and lower back. He didn't talk about his family at all. And my family talked too much. My boyfriend didn't study for money. I think he that unnerved people. You sure he's not the type to kill you someday? My mother at once questioned. And I requested her to elaborate. And he, she said, he's too spacey was her warning and I naively thought that was a pun about his career and eventually his hands were too shaky to type in his work and he requested me to do the job as he recited his studies I recalled how I was jealous over the way he spoke when I first met him his words were full of soft intellect and sometimes I tried to mimic it, throwing in a word like nucleosynthesis to surprise people. The tone was only compelling on his tongue. And I understand yearning for the secrets of the world, but that was all my boyfriend knew. And on one of our first dates, he confessed that physics and, and chemistry and whatever else he had mastered had become his coping mechanism from a young age. I could always get lost in the science, he murmured. And I wondered if he'd say that some cliche line about getting lost in my eyes. <laughs> but he didn't. Oh, but he did kiss me and it felt natural. The whole thing. And my boyfriend and I debated on trivial matters, but when it came to big picture, big picture stuff, God and all that, we kept our mouths shut. His views had never strayed from hardcore evidence. Their mind can change depending on my mood. I was technically raised a Lutheran, but my family never cared too much. My, bo my boyfriend used to say that... <laughs> I was the closest thing he had to faith. How he never knew kind touch before he met me. And I offered salvation. Still, he was dying and I was worried if there was something truly out there. 
a force that could reunite us. That chance could not occur due to his stubbornness I attempted, a subtle source of indoctrination. Reciting stories from holy books without saying they were from holy books. And he understood the nature of my actions too quickly and found it quite funny. It's a little bit too late to, for me to convert, I think. You don't need to convert. Angry tears welled in my eyes. You just don't need to identify with any belief. Just believe in something. You know I can't lie to you. My boyfriend relaxed on his deathbed, then took notice of my crumpled face, and he frowned. Why can't you just believe we'll meet again? I asked child to sleep, and I turned away. I had never been as composed as him. I, it can't end here. And my boyfriend laughed. Laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed until it came out as broken sobs, prattling against his bones. I do believe in something, he said. And he looked at me like he wanted to hold me. He looked like he finally understood what it meant to die. And the last thing he wanted to be was alone. And I realized that it was foolish to ever compare the paper in his hands to our world, to our intertwined palms. I believe we found each other. In my boyfriend's unfinished dissertation, there's a section about the universe methods of recycling and how when our loyal sun inevitably explodes, the matter that, constitute, that constituted every living thing on earth will be expelled into the cosmos. And though consciousness may have faded, energy remains. And perhaps drifting into construct another planet, galaxy, universe, I imagine two golden lights colliding. And I have no evidence to back this up. Only hope. Wow, y'all, I'm crying. <laughs> I'm crying, y'all. <laughs> Ricky, when I catch you, Ricky. <laughs> I absolutely love this story so fucking much. When I read this for the first time, I was gagged. All right, y'all. This was amazing. Um, It's just, it's so well made. She is such a talented artist. Truly, truly. <laughs> the comments said, I feel like I just read a novel. <laughs> I was the closest thing he had to faith. Wow. What a fucking quote. Wow. This was amazing. Honestly. Let me search for another one, y'all. You guys, for the first, um, for our first little... <clears throat> I mean, our second, bitch, do I know you? Do I even know how to count? For our second story, we have The Moon Asks a Question by Dirge Without Music. Dirge being spelled, actually, I think it's Dirge. Dirge Without Music. Dirge being spelled D-I-R-G-E <clears throat> slash ink splotch. 
Ink Little Line Splotch, and Rayane, Rayane being spelled R-A-I-A-I-N. So those are all the creators. Please show your support to them. Um, I'm pretty sure it's on Tumblr originally, but uh, somebody reposted it on TikTok. So I'm just going to read this piece. I really recommend you guys look this up and read it for yourself because the artwork behind me like and all the little slides is amazing. Really, really gets you invested in the story. But let's begin, guys. The moon asked the sun, what do you know of, of love? It burns, said the sun. It brightens. It is something you make and then give away. Don't listen to him, said the clouds. This but big ball of gas doesn't know what he's talking about. Yes, I do, said the sun. Who but me makes the roses grow? We do, said the clouds. Love nourishes like rain. We turn the hills green and fill the creeks so they will sing with their creek in their creek beds. Why do you ask? said the sun. I think I might be in love, said the moon. I am trying to understand. So the moon went and looked at the desert. They were dry and hot and empty. See, said the clouds. But the deserts were still beautiful. And so the moon went and looked at the creeks in their beds. And they were cool and wet and full. And they were beautiful too. What do you think? said the moon. The moon asked the sky. I want to know if I am in love. Ask the earth, said the sky. And so the moon asked the earth. The clouds cover me, said the earth. They make me bloom, the sun warms me, and without them I would be so cold and dry. You would be ugly without them, that is love, said the moon. I would be cold and dry, said the earth, but not ugly. You are cold and dry, my little one, and you are beautiful. Not like you, said the moon, not like the ocean. No one is like me, and no one is like you, said the earth. I feel loveliest when she holds me tight, when she holds my light, sorry, said the moon. Who is it that you love, my child? What kind of love do you wish? Are there different kinds? The moon asked. The sun warms me and pulls me in. The clouds cover me when they remember the sky turns every color for me. How do you, how do you and yours love? We dance, said the moon and they knew she meant the ocean. I push and she pulls. 
I rise and set. She rises and ebbs. She pushes, I pull. We go around and around and I watch her tides. And I do not think I will ever tire of calling her beautiful. Is that love? It is, the on- it is only your own reflection you see on the ocean's surface, scoff the clouds. It is like when the sun sets and calls us beautiful, but it is only his own colors he loves. I love her even when I shine no light, said the moon. Maybe I love her most then. You only love her because she follows where you lead, said the sun. It is a dance, said the moon. It is self-centered, said the clouds. Bossy and mean. She is the heart of my orbit, said the moon. I will live my life by her until she is gas and I am dust. And the universe is cold and dead. And the sun and the clouds were quiet and went away. And the stars came out from where they had been listening. Is this love? said the moon. You are not asking the right people, said the stars. I have asked the sun who burns, said the moon. I have asked the clouds who cover. I have asked the sky who stays forever. I have asked the earth who made me. But have you asked the ocean who loves you? Said the stars. Oh, said the moon. And so the moon went down to the ocean and asked, is this love? And the ocean said, yes. Wow, y'all, that was really good. (laughs) That was really good, y'all. Honestly, I really love that. (laughs) Um, This is such a wonderful story. I love reading shit like this. It's so fucking ethereal and magical, and I just, I love it so much. Honestly, I feel like we should all start collectively reading uh, stories that we find out loud to ourselves in a magical little voice so it makes the whole thing so much more intriguing i swear to god i got lost in this (laughs) i got lost in the words and the imagery i love it i love it so much um this was wonderful this one whoo this one is amazing so okay this person doesn't actually have a fucking username um but their initials are L-E, and th- their at is at user 68519586. Y'all, this person is amazing. Si- user 68519586. You fucking rock, dude. Um, I love their writing. So, this is one of the first fucking poems that I read, and I was like, oh, oh. not not that I read ever in my fucking life, but that I read in, on, on TikTok, and I was like, yo, this is fucking crazy, yo, oh my god. So, yeah, 
Um, it's called A Slice to Share. I hope that you guys enjoy it. Please check out this poet. My nails bite into the thick skin of my mellow orange. And its juice waters the flesh underneath. My father is almost finished peeling his. And I struggle to catch up. The knives are in the corner of the kitchen counter. We don't need them to cut. I claw harder and regret it instantly. Sticky, piquant droplets splash onto my arm and I huff, hating to have wasted them. Here, my father says. The perfect half of his paired orange stares me in the face, craddled by the roughness of his steady palm. Thanks, I say, accepting his offering. Pick up at the shreds of the unwanted pith until I'm satisfied. You know, my mom, your grandma, used to eat the peel, he says before popping a piece of the orange in his mouth. Sets the rest in front of me, trades it for my poorly skinned one and carves. I always had a knack for carving. Grimancing, I shudder. What? Really? <laughs> he empathizes with, empathizes with a with wide eyes wider than the shining lamp dangling from the pale ceiling. She did, <laughs> and I even remember how she'd peel it. She'd used to get her thumbnail. He says, demonstrating, and she would make a perfect circle, eat that piece, and then just keep going. I make a face again. Yeah, watch. Ask her about it and she'll probably look at me and say, so what else have you been telling her? And I crack a smile. And then he bursts into song. Butchers the chorus of America's You Can Do Magic. Turns the volume of his voice up sky high and ignores my groaning protest. Usually... He makes up songs on the spot. Pure nonsense, really. An obnoxious game he plays where he spews out a brand new travesty of mismatched words and sentences to no particular tune to make me break. And this time it works. The singing merges into laughter. Citrus scents in the air and I inhale it as it courses through my claret veins, painting them pastel tangerine, tender on the outside. Green leaves in the wooden bowl between us remain pleasantly vibrant, despite the unblemished bodies fettered into them being idly snatched from their mother tree. And the sweetness ruins the better, and the sweetness Fuck, my bad, y'all. The sweetness runs bitter. <laughs> and the laughter merges into retching. I wake up to darkness. The colors of bright, cheerful fruit, dewy foliage, and unsnapped branches absent. But my father isn't anymore. He's on the other side of the wall.
throwing up poison instead of citrus. Water infused with salted rinds cascade down my skin and it soaks my pillow. My blood turns blue and before it can freeze over I breathe. I am 11 years old and I cannot remember the last time my father and I shared an orange. I cannot remember him ever eating one at all. I am 12 years old and I wish I could. I try remembering anything other than the equal nightmare of deafening silence sounding from one room over, quietly chasing after him, not wanting to be left behind. I am 13 years old and waiting. I am 14 years old and he has nowhere to go but here. So he stays. And stays and stays and stays. The 11 year old shallowy buried inside of me lies in bed after midnight. Never sleeps, never dreams. And waits for him to leave again. Terrified. I am just as messy when peeling my oranges, still learning how to rip apart and feast without unleashing mass destruction. There are freshly reopened cuts on my fingers. Burning, tangy, acid trickles into raw flesh and my skin aches for the stain. But rarely does my skin get what it wants. And I am too selfish, too generous, still learning balance. I too share too much and keep too little. I keep too much and share too little. What about you? I demand under a dingy auburn lamp begging. There is a skillfully carved gash in my chest, splitting strands of white hang out like unraveled threads attached to half of the extracted citrus meat and garnish set laid over the silver platter and set neatly in front of me my clutch fist anchored to the scarred top of a cherry dining table tremble my red rimmed eyes are sharp My sugar-free tears flow easily, and my chapped lips quiver as if they land on the tip of my thirsting tongue. Will you share yours? And my father sits across from me, hands wet with pastel saccharine blood and a loosely wrapped in thin straggly tendrils clutches an empty golden chalice in his left palm while his fingers brush the edge of his full plate and he is not here to answer a wilting leaf sprouts from the deteriorating stem in the dismissal cavity of my slashed chest. Weeks of want and desperation silently pleading to become anew and clean. But I have chosen not to water. Oranges rest atop of the kitchen counter, untouched and uncradled. They're dis- desiccating. Desiccating. Yes, they're desiccating on the inside. 
sour with sorrow and ripe and with regret and, and oozing with twice the bitterness as the peel. I am awake and in pain as sweet as citrus rot. And I love my father as much as I did in my dream. As I look at him, I think it might not been it might have been safer not to share at all. Well fuck bitch. I just give it performance of my lifetime. Fuck. This is just me crying reading shit. <laughs> I'ma read another one. <laughs> You best believe I'm gonna, and from the same person, y'all. Stop playing with me. All right, guys. So this is another poem by the same poet who wrote the the peel, the peel poet, the 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 poem of of the the I forgot the name. It it was the citrus one, right? That I just read literally before this one. Um. But this one is called Whispers of Your Brother's Blood. And it is um, based on the story of Cain y Abel, which was the first death ever in the Bible. And, uh, you know, I'll start now, I guess. <clears throat> There's something be- something inherently human about being hated. The first death was a murder, after all, wasn't it? Sprouted from a glowing seed of jealousy and was reaped with the help of scalding water that said, your offering is as worthy as you are. Festered into an ugly, ravenous beast, a wavering fist that never stilled, Cain stood over Abel and said, look where glory gets you. And then he stood under the Lord and said, I am a sower, not a saint. For you, dear sower, who slew the saint, the Lord answered plaguing a permanent mark of punishment upon Gain's mind. Life shall be worse than death. Maybe hatred is a two-way street of suffering, a dead-end road, an inevitable curse. Maybe hatred is human. Even what animals fear, they don't necessarily hate. Not like this never deep enough to take root. It is flesh and bone and it is conscience. It is a falling countenance felt for the first time and never lifted. That's what takes work, the lifting, not the hating. Maybe hatred is just, maybe hatred just is. I wonder what Abel thought when he caught sight of his brother's raised fist, if he hated. The voice of his blood cried from the ground, but what did it whisper? I am not the Lord. 
I am your little brother. And I looked up to you. You were worthy in my eyes before you closed them. Remember when you showed me your field? Your crops and greens, all lush and living. Remember when I told you it was beautiful? Remember when I told you instead of biting the words back and letting them fester? Then the fruits were all grown up. And so were we. I could never keep the plants. They steamed from alive the way you did. They stemmed from alive the way you did. You taught me, but I never learned. Your touch was gentle, and mine was rough. You worked with dirt and water, and I worked with breath and blood. Ripe fruit rotted in my rugged palms. And thriving leaves languished at the brush of my finger of my fingertips. Both of our hands were calloused, but only mine were red. You'd never like the sheep. You'd rather deal with the wheat than wool. Didn't like cleaning up the mess, and I never blamed you. It wasn't pretty. Gore never is. How can you do that? You asked with a grimace, wiping the sweat and soil from your crown under a, under a lowering orange sun in a blushing sky. Like it's natural. It's like loving, I said, scrubbing the scarlet from my weary arms and splashing cool water onto my burning skin. There are only three people I've ever loved, but no one understood me as good as you did. Not always easy, not always perfect. A little vicious, a little brutal. I don't always enjoy having to do it, but that's just how it is. That's how it's always been, and washing away the remnants is always the toughest part. You looked at my face, but not at me. Something ailed you. And I wish, I wish you would have told me what it was. I would have listened. I would have followed you anywhere. And I, and I did. Straight into your flourishing field. Straight into the desolate bed you made for me beneath it. You are finally above me, brother. Does glory taste different to you than it did to me? It is your sacrifice, you said. But it sounded as you were asking, as if you were asking. It's my sacrifice, I agreed. We're brothers, right? It's like that. I always thought... Keeping sheep was simpler than tilling land, and you didn't. It's why you never wanted to learn more than what was required, but I would have taught you. I could never be as good as you, Abel. The sheep talked to me in their own ways. 
They told me if they were ever in pain with relentless strident bleeding. If they needed feeding, I fed them. If they needed bathing, I bathed them. If they needed slaughtering, I slaughtered them. If they needed burying, I buried them. Brother, you would have taken care of my sheep perfectly. Look at how well you took care of me. That's such a beautiful piece. I love pieces with religious literature. It just, it hits different, bro. It hits different. That was beautiful. Their story is such a sad one, bro. Like, it's so sad. But how beautiful was this? Alright, y'all, so this is actually not a story nor a poem. It is an interview with this person called Nine the Impaler. And it was posted by Nikash Khanna, uh, spelled N-I-K-A-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A. Their their username I think is at Nikash dot And this person starts off by saying, I remember being in the projects. I asked the little kid, I was like, Yo, what do you wanna do when you get older? And he was like, I wanna be a crip. And I was like, Really? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, like, dude, that's so fucking insane to me. And it's like, it can either end up as just a phase or like when really grow with you. Like, I really don't understand that. Being a gangbanger is like a dead end job. I don't understand what, like what goes through their heads. They're like 16 and like yo, you're blood and they're like yeah. Like what do you want to do? You're still going to be a blood when you're like 30, bro? Is that it? That shit's crazy to me. It's like a reference point, right? Because you're a kid and you're seeing your teenage brother and everybody else doing this shit. And you're like, oh, this must be cool. Like, this is not normal. Like, this is normal. This is what I'm going to, this is what I'm growing up around. So, obviously, I might as well grow up into this shit. And one of my friends said this. And he was like, oh, hang around three bums. You're going to be the fourth one. One rotten apple spoils a bunch. And it's kind of like some of us, we accept our image. It's like, if so much people think I'm supposed to be like this, then why not just actually become this, you know? like, And a lot of kids get lost like that. And that's the end of it. I really, really like this page. They... This person goes into a lot of fucking 
Uh, shit. They have this other, uh... My bad, y'all. They have this other portrait. I mean, not portrait, but, like, uh, slideshow. Um... And the caption says, Clip from Portrait of the Psy. Portrait of Psy. Unreleased short film by me remembering a, a young life lost to drug overdose. So this is him talking. And it says, I had a friend who snorted like a shit ton of coke. You know, one of those dudes that was like, on the weekends, I'm gonna just go out and have some, I'm gonna just have some fun. And it's like, he wasn't even doing it to get high. He was just doing it because he didn't want to feel bad anymore. So he was snorting this coke. This shit builds up anxiety. It builds up a hatred for everything around you. And when the substance controls your life. So he's looking for Xanax. You know, this was during the the Xanax uh, epidemic. Uh, that happened. I feel. I think people called it Zandemic. Uh, yeah, really bad stuff. The youth started like getting exposed to a lot of this shit, right? End uh, of parentheses. So he's looking for for Xanax. He has, you know, anxiety and. This inability inability to cope with his own emotions because of his environment that that because of the environment that he's in. And um one pill one time that shit can end your life. Something made made to make him not feel bad, made it so that he couldn't feel joy anymore for eternity. It's like some fucking some fuck y'all. Fucking the uh, oh fentanyl, my bad, y'all. <laughs> I didn't understand what was written there. It's just like some fentanyl. I remember when I had got in the news, I was on PlayStation or some shit. It's like October 10th, 2021, and I got a text from one of my friends, and he was like, "Bro, I think blank passed." And I'm like, "That's some bullshit." You know what I mean? Like, I really didn't accept that for, like, forever. And so I'm, like, sitting there. And, you know, this is my first experience with grief. And it wasn't, like, a family member. It wasn't grandma or some dog or some shit. It was some friend that I made. And I got close to him at a young age. Only, like, maybe a year and a half older than me. And, you know, he's fucking dead. And it's like, how do you cope with having to know that one of your friends you're supposed to grow up with, he's dead. You're never going to see him again. And that's the end of it. And this is really heartbreaking shit, bro. He posts some real stuff. Um, I really love his content. This really just highlights, like... Like, yo, we gotta help, like, we really gotta help the youth, bro, like, I know that, I know that a lot of people, you know, most people that are fucking hearing this fucking pod, you know, you probably never been exposed to shit like that, but, you know, my dad was, he got into coke pretty heavy one time, 
that shit destroys you, bro. Like, like that shit caused me him to lose not only me but his his wife, bro. He lost a lot of shit, man. And and you know my dad, thank God, he's better now. But that shit is no joke. You know what I mean? And genuinely like this is a really big fucking problem bro like i know that a lot of us are like very we're not exposed to this shit all the time because you know most of the the people around me you know they haven't been exposed to shit like this but once you see it once you see the real damage it changes you like this shit genuinely changes you um, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. Uh, so, yeah, just whenever you hear these stories, you know, always keep in mind, bro, like, this, this is just the system working against us, against its own people. Shit like this isn't this isn't a coincidence this doesn't just happen this happens for a reason there's a reason people get into fucking drugs bro and it's because the system around them is not fucking working you need to release you need to get out of this whirlpool you're in this monotonous fucking bullshit you're always fucking continuing bro this is why people do drugs bro and that's exactly why we need to change everything around us bro we can't keep doing shit like this it's not it's not working for us it's working against us bro this is why we gotta change shit all right y'all so this is the last uh thing that i'm gonna read the last poem that i'm gonna read and it is called <clears throat> if i must die it's by refat I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering that name. I'm so sorry. Refat Alari. Right? I probably butchered that name. I'm so fucking sorry. If any of you know the correct pronunciation, please help me. Um, But this was a Palestinian poet. And he was martyred uh, not too long ago by an Israeli missile him and his his wife I believe and his children um, were killed you know their lives taken away and before he passed he wrote this poem and I'm gonna end it on a on, on this note and I want you guys to remember him and I want you guys to really remember these words because this poem has stuck with me and I'm sure a lot of a lot of people for a while and these are these are words that will not be forgotten and and refat refat will not be forgotten if I must die you must live to tell my story to sell my things to buy a piece of cloth and some strings make it white with a long tail so that a child 
somewhere in Gaza while looking heaven in the eye, awaiting his dad who left in a blaze and bid no one farewell, not even to his flesh, not even to himself. Sees the kite, my kite that you made, flying up above, and thinks for a moment an angel is there, bringing back love. If I must die, let it bring hope, let it be a tale. Now this is all I have um, for today. If you guys want me to do more of this, I would absolutely love to. I love reading. I love, love reading. I love, I love just feeling stuff, you know? Um, I love pushing people's art out there, even if, you know, whatever, nobody fucking sees it or hears it. I just, I want to, you know, do my part in, in sharing these lovely messages and, and stuff with everybody. Um, I hope you guys were really were able to take something from all of the poems and short stories that I have read. Um, and I really, really, really uh, hope you have a wonderful night. I hope you have a wonderful day or or afternoon or wherever you are. And I love you. And we will be liberated. We will be free. And I know that someday... Fuck, this is stupid. Well, it's not stupid, but I'm... It's not... I'm, you know, I'm just stupid. But anyways, I know that someday we will be able to look onto a future... And we will be able to pray for a future where no children will have to suffer this fate. Where no child will be have to starve. No teen left to homelessness. And I know that Palestine will be free. I know that our island will be free. And I know that someday... We will look up and we will see that kite. And we will see that those little white strings. And we will think for a moment that it's an angel. I know that Rafat will never be forgotten. And neither will be the other 7,000 children who have been murdered by the Israeli forces. I hope that you can all join this fight and spread the word. And I love every single one of you so much. I love you dearly. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. You are loved and you are special. I'll see you guys next time.